Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, thanks so much for your consistent and regular generosity. We're able to send funds. We support workers there in the area along with Convoy of Hope. So thanks so much uh, for that and just an opportunity to give you a little update uh, what's going on over there. So welcome to those watching, worshiping online with us as well. Uh, My name is Derek. I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration. We're going to continue our series, Spirit and Power. Um, This week, uh, last Sunday night, actually, uh, Sunday afternoon, my wife had left the house and came back to the church to pray, just sensing God wasn't done in her life and what we were sensing. And so we've even uh, removed the front row of chairs that we can. The other ones are bolted down, so it would have been a little bit more difficult, uh, just to give us a little bit more room in the altars to pray today. It was so funny. Uh, Lincoln, our nine-year-old, was like, Dad, where's Mom? I said, she went to the church to pray. Now, you knew it was Sunday night. He said, Wait. You could just go to the church and pray? <laughs> I said, well, it helps if you're married to the pastor and you have the alarm code, you know. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting time. So we're looking forward to doing that. But uh, she'd shared uh, Psalm 51, which of course is the account when uh, David is repenting of his sin against Bathsheba. And uh, Psalm 51 is that great repentant passage. It says, the sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit and a humbled heart. And uh, just praying over this last week that there'd be many spirits that had gone their own way, like David, uh, would become broken in the presence of the Lord, that they, we would humble ourselves. And uh, she made a list of some of the spirits that we're praying to be broken, not only today in our church, but really I believe in the lives of every believer because they're not appropriate in the presence of the Lord. She had written down uh, the spirit of lust. Thank you, Jack, for supporting the pastor in that biblical proclamation. Lust, uh, that spirit, it's prevalent in our land today, and it's not just outside the church walls. It's uh, sin's crouching at our door, each and every one of us. And so uh, the spirit of gossip. If you didn't say amen, we know we're talking to you. Okay, so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's all right. Uh, Bitterness, that root of unforgiveness, uh, depression, pride, apathy, self-sufficiency. All those things that we just know are not appropriate in the presence of the Lord, and therefore they're not appropriate in the life of the believer as well. So uh, we know God always shows up where he's wanted, though. Amen? And so uh, we're believing that, that he's going to do that. We mentioned last week we're committed to openness. So uh, I'm going to preach this message. Hopefully you got your note sheet. Then we're going to respond. We're going to come forward. Uh, if you want, you can pray in your seat wherever you are. We'll pray as long as it takes to pray for everybody that wants prayer. Uh, it only took us 40 minutes to pray for everybody that wanted it in the first service. So the good news is we don't, we don't have anywhere else to go. We don't have any other meetings, luncheons, no ball teams that are playing. And so we'll just pray as long as it takes. If it takes 10 minutes, then we'll pray 10 minutes. You know, we're not trying to uh, say we've got to pray a certain amount of time. It's always a reminder. Love the voice of a mentor in my life. He said, it doesn't have to be everlasting to be eternal. 
You know what I'm saying? But one moment in the presence of the Lord uh, will make you want a few more moments as well. So we're going to do that at the end. We're going to believe for revival, for outpouring, for awakening in our church and in across our nation for the glory of God. Amen? All right, 1 Kings chapter 19, if you have a Bible, if you're able, would you stand this morning uh, to your feet? And uh, we've got it on the screen as well. And uh, for the sake of time, I'm just going to read a few of the verses at the beginning, then I'll read the rest as we go. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and following. The Bible says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of of the Lord. I've titled this morning's message. I'm going to read more. Some of you are like, that is the least amount of verses he's ever read. I've titled the message, The Power of His Presence. That's what we've come to encounter, to experience this morning. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind... There was an earthquake, but the Lord also wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. Surely, Lord, 1 Kings 18, just before fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire either. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled a cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Wasn't in the loud, wasn't in the normal, but he was there and he came in the form of a gentle whisper, talking about the power of his presence. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we've been given to come boldly into your presence, to approach your throne of grace. We know according to your word, book of Hebrews chapter four and 16, that we'll receive mercy and we'll find grace to help us in our time of need. So, Lord, we ask, grant us your mercy and your grace today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. For the sake of time, I want to jump right in, try to preach just about a half hour, give us as much time as we can to pray together. Number one, you need to position yourself for his presence. This is right there in verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Now, if this is your first week with us and you haven't read 1 Kings chapter 19, you don't have it memorized, that's okay. Let me just remind you, last week we read that the Bible says that Elijah went to Mount Horeb. Now, uh, your translation today, or even in that passage, may have said Mount Sinai. A lot of theologians believe two names, same mountain. And so maybe different sides of the mountain, but whatever the case, Mount Sinai. Now, if you've grown up in church, you might have heard of some spiritually significant things that took place at Mount Sinai. One of the most easily identifiable is where Moses received the Ten Commandments from God. That, that's where Moses met with God and he received the Ten Commandments there at Mount Sinai. So whatever name it's called, the mountain of the Lord, it's easy for us to understand that going to that place was spiritually significant and would have uh, gathered up feelings in Elijah to go and meet with God. For sure in the Old Testament, Mount Sinai Mount Horeb, where he went, was the place to go and meet with and to hear from God. 
Maybe some of you grew up at church and, and you had the opportunity to go to summer camp. A lot of people, I hear a lot of these testimonies, they say like 76% of uh, everybody that's either saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, or called into vocational ministry of some sort happened at a summer camp. I don't happen to be part of that 76%. No surprise, I don't follow the trends. But anyway, um, you can think about a spiritually significant place. I can remember kneeling beside my bed at three and a half years old and praying to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I remember that place, that moment that I met with God. I remember sitting in this spot, not at this church, you know, in Seattle, in, in the second row in the pew where I, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking tongues. I remember that place. There's, there's things things that happen. I remember where I would sit in chapel at Bible college. We can all think of places that were significant, you know, in our relationships. We could think about a place, maybe that we went on our first date. Maybe that's a good memory. Maybe it's a bad one. Hello, don't raise your hand. Don't answer what that is for your marriage. I'm just saying we can remember significant places. We can hear songs. But for Elijah, for the people of God going to the mountain of God, it was normal that they knew they would meet with God in this place. You know, Elijah would have also known Exodus 33, another one of my favorite passages of scripture. The Israelites were going, God was telling them to go to a place. And Moses, he said this, he had gone into the tent of meeting. Joshua had stayed right outside. And Moses said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us out from this place. Moses knew that the presence of God, there was great power. There was great anointing. There was great power in his presence. And Moses said, if your presence isn't going to go with us, then don't make us leave this place. And then what did he ask of God? I love this, this request. He said, now show me your glory. <laughs> That's really why I believe we've come today. We didn't come for coffee and donuts. I'm not even sure if we ran out. We didn't really come to be entertained or to, to hear a joke. We came to see, we came to experience the glory of God. We came to experience the presence of God. There's something that happens when we come and we see his glory, even in this place. Exodus 33, he went on to say, the Lord said, there is a place near me. I would just say there's a place near the Lord, but you've got to position yourself in that place. I can't want it for you more than you want it for yourself. You ever met with somebody that you wanted them to change more than they wanted to change? <laughs> Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's your spouse. Don't look at them. You know what I mean? But just look at me. You know, you can't want it for somebody else more than what they want it. And, and God said, there's a place near me. You've got to position yourself. He said, it's where you may stand in the rock. And when my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by. It's his glory that transforms us. It, it changes us from the inside out. You see, friends, our faith is not primarily an intellectual understanding. It's not rooted in emotional experiences. No, our faith is a supernatural revelation of the glory of God that we experience in his presence. It's why you, I believe you've come today. It's why you're watching online because there's numerous opportunities for entertainment at your fingertips, at your disposal, but we didn't come to be entertained by man. We came to experience the presence of the Lord. 
Elijah would have understood God's instructions in light of the historical account with Moses. And he would have known that he was headed to a life-defining, spiritually life-defining moment that he was about to experience. So I believe he gladly put himself in position for the presence of the Lord. It's almost like uh, if my wife and I return home from a trip and um, we tell the kids, sit on the couch, close your eyes and put out your hands. They know what that means. We bought them something at the airport uh, gift shop. By we, I mean she. Because I don't really give a rip. I'm like, my presence is your present. You know, but she's like, oh, get them some Tic Tacs, get them some lollipops, whatever. I'm like, aren't you just glad for me? Anyway, they're not. But they know if we return from a trip, tell them to sit on the couch, put out their hands and close their eyes, that they're going to receive something from us. I believe Elijah sensed in this moment. He told me to go to the mountain of God, to stand out in the presence. Elijah, spiritually speaking, knew I'm going to go sit on the couch. I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to put out my hands and God is going to do something amazing. But more than positioning yourself physically, like, because you're here today or you're watching online. Uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, before he passed away, Papa, he used to always say, don't yell at the people who came to church about the people that don't come to church. <laughs> and back then there was like no online or whatever, right? He was just like, it doesn't make sense. You're like, nobody wants to go to church. Well, pastor, we're here. I don't know what you think we're doing, you know, but anyway, he just said, so, but more than positioning yourself physically, because I think Too many Christians have reduced their experience with the presence of God to just going to church. I would ask of you this morning, have you positioned yourself emotionally and mentally and spiritually for his presence? Right? Have have you come with an expectancy of what God is going to do today? Have you come with a hunger and a thirst for the things of God in this place? I I haven't read it yet, but I ordered a new book recently. Um, And if you're newer to our church, that's kind of what I do best. I order books, I read the cover, the byline, and then I move on. You know, but like the title was powerful. And uh, Pastor Dan came in my office this week. He said, oh, you got a bunch more books. Have you read them? I said, nope. But let me tell you about the titles. (laughs) This one was written by uh, Pastor Rod Parsley, and the title was Revival If, and I love the byline. It said, igniting your passion for personal renewal and national revival. I don't know what the rest of the book's about, but that, that title byline spoke directly to me. I think that's important for us, not worrying about somebody else, but positioning ourselves for his presence, igniting our own passion for personal renewal. I think a lot of people got passion for somebody else's renewal for somebody else to change, for somebody else to repent, for somebody else to do, well, you know, but what about passion for our own personal renewal, right? Uh, We sing that song, and and as you know, I'm not a pastor that critiques the words of worship songs and lyrics, but we sing that song, you are welcome here. And I think that's good, but it only tells part of the story. As we mentioned last week, God always shows up where he's wanted. I don't want him just welcome, I want him wanted. Right? We, we've all had people show up at our house, apartment, dorm room. They ring the doorbell. Your, 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 your mat says welcome. You open the door. Oh, they're welcome, but they're not wanted. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. I don't want God just welcome in this place. I don't want God just welcome in this place. I want him wanted. And I believe he always shows up where he's wanted. Number two, don't predetermine the experience of his presence. 
Don't predetermine the experience of his presence. I recognize that we've got people from all different type of faith backgrounds, church background, no church, you know, just, you know, church has been awesome, church has been terrible. Like we got people in all kinds of situations, but don't predetermine the experience of his presence. Just be open to whatever it is that God is gonna do. You know, Elijah had just seen God's power displayed through fire from heaven. <laughs> that was amazing in 1 Kings 18, right? He prayed and fire came down. It consumed everything, including the water that was all around. And uh, that was amazing. Elijah could recall the account of Moses receiving the 10 commandments and experiencing the glory of God on Sinai. You know, the Bible says Moses' face shone. People could tell he had to cover it up because he was just, you know, he was sunburned with snow. I don't know what was happening, but people could tell something happened. So it would have been understandable. It would have been logical. It would have been normal for Elijah to expect to experience God's presence in a similarly powerful way. Fire from heaven, 10 commandments on tablets of stone. Wow. Look what happened. <laughs> says, a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. At some point, through the wind blowing and ripping things apart, I'm guessing Elijah was like, whoo, I got spiritual goosebumps. Look at the wind blowing. The mountains are being torn apart. This is awesome. Right? We, wind, is, wind is powerful. We, we can read about that in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. The Bible said when the Holy Spirit fell, it came like, like the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Wind is powerful. This past week, Wednesday and Thursday, our whole city shut down because of wind. They said it was snow, but there was no snow. So it was wind because it would have been the wind that would blow things, maybe a lot more snow or blow snow drifts. Wind is powerful. But the Bible says the Lord wasn't in the wind. How many people know wind wasn't bad? Wind wasn't wrong. It just wasn't God in that moment. Throughout scripture, we read that wind can represent the Holy Spirit. So also, let me just say, don't predetermine that because God wasn't in this wind, that wind is always bad. I've been seeing some of this with some of the uh, outpourings on some of our college campuses across the nation. And they're saying, well, well if this it, it doesn't have enough of this, for, for me or my tradition, you know, we can't predetermine what God's going to do. The wind was powerful, but then God wasn't in it. So what happened next? It says, then there was an earthquake. Oh, surely with everything shaking, we just saw the effects of an earthquake in Turkey. Uh, I remember the first earthquake and I, how many people have ever been in an earthquake? And I don't mean like you read about it the next day and you found out you were in one. I'm talking about you were like in an earthquake. I remember, okay, a bunch of us. Uh, first earthquake I was ever in. Uh, we were going down on a mission trip to Costa Rica. Some missionaries out of our church were there in San Jose, and we went down with a group of about 40 people to do some construction down there. And uh, I was only about nine years old at the time, and so uh, I was pretty much just going to watch other people do a lot of the construction. You know, it's like I was training at a young age for my gift set today. But anyway, um, Listen, all right, settle down, people. I take great pictures of what's going on out there. You leave me alone. <laughs> and uh, we were in the airport, and it was like the side of the wall, getting the baggage claim, the windows all the way up. They just started shaking like crazy. And I was like, this is not okay. <laughs> and then uh, uh, we had some locals. They were like, 
It's going to be okay. And I was like, listen, I just freaked out on the airplane because they ran out of peanuts. This is another level. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was nine. The Lord was still working in my life. You know what I mean? But, but it was like, this is not okay. And whenever everything is shaking, where stuff's going this way and that way and things falling off the wall, and I'm talking the windows, you could tell this is a force of nature. This is something greater than what I'd experienced. It would have been logical for Elijah to be like, well, if he wasn't in the wind, surely he's in the earthquake. But the Bible says he wasn't in the earthquake. Oh, come on. How do I know it's God if it doesn't feel big? Well, he says, okay, well, how about fire? After the wind and after the earthquake, next came fire. All week, Pastor Dan tried to get me to title this message, Earth, Wind, and Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Pastor Dan, but... But the Bible says God wasn't in the fire. Now, think about this for a second. It was just one chapter earlier, 1 Kings chapter 18, that the Lord was in the fire. So what is going on? Is God like schizophrenic? No, I just think it's an important reminder. Just because God did it one way before doesn't mean he has to do it that way today. I think it's part of keeping us spiritually on our toes because humans, we have a tendency, once we think we can try to figure something else, we have a tendency to try to control it. Right? We, we, we said this before. God's not this cosmic vending machine. You don't put in a dollar, push E7, and get a bag of Cheetos. It's not how it works. And so surely with fire coming, Elijah would be like, oh, I get it. I, it makes sense. He wasn't in the wind. I understood. He wasn't in the, the uh, earthquake. But surely the fire, like it just happened. I know the fire. I've, I've seen it. Therefore, I know it. And one of the problems that we see today is we judge the current activity and we have Christians assessing whether or not it's God based upon the outward manifestation. And the truth is the outward manifestation is rarely conclusive evidence. Because in this instance, when the wind blew, God wasn't in it. But in Acts chapter two, when the wind blew, he was in it. Well, the earthquake, what about, he wasn't in the earthquake, but, but there was an earthquake when the stone was rolled away after Jesus rose back from the dead. So, so obviously the ground shaking isn't a bad thing, but it, is, it isn't always a God thing. Here we see fire. He's like, I, God did this way. I prayed and this is how God did it. Therefore, I know if this happens, then it's gotta be God. In other words, it wasn't though. So what happened next? The Bible says, and then came a gentle whisper. Now, I think if a group of theologians, spiritual people got together, very few of us would vote that the gentle whisper was the power of his presence on that day. Like, that doesn't even make sense. Who, Who can hear the whisper? I would submit to you, anyone who's listening. It wasn't in the big, the loud, the demonstrative. Well, what's the thing about a whisper? Think about it, right? You, you, you lean in. You, you want to hear. We talked about that. Let's just lean into the things of God. Let's not sit back and critique them. Let's lean in and listen, right? There are few forms of communication more personal than a whisper. 
Anybody can be loud. Like myself, Pastor David, you know, anybody can be loud. <laughs> but a whisper. You lean in. It's from someone you love, you care about, you, you want to hear. So we listen. You know, there's a lot of noise around us these days. But I believe we can still lean in to hear God's whisper today. You know, the Hebrew words here in this text could also be translated a tiny, silent sound. Well, how do you hear the gentle whisper? How do you hear if it's a tiny, silent sound? I believe you hear God's whisper with your heart. His whisper is every language, every translation. <laughs> if we'll listen with our heart. But the truth is, we'll often miss God's whisper if we're constantly surrounded by noise. That's why there are times where I just pull away, sneak off all alone. And you know, the truth is, that's a little disconcerting to people today because we're consumed with white noise, ambient noise. We, we need something going on. We're scared off oftentimes in silence. But if we'll listen, if we'll lean in, I believe we can hear him. Think about this in, in light of what we see taking place on these college campuses. Uh, I'd written this earlier in the week. Now we're hearing reports of a lot of different college campuses, but I wrote down just three of them. Um, think about the difference in their backgrounds. Asbury University uh, was Methodist. Lee University, Pentecostal. Samford University, Baptist. It's like celebration. People from all different kinds, different situations. Here's what I love one person wrote this week, and I share it with you. God is bypassing denominational differences to rest upon anyone seeking and longing for him. That's the key. It's not about what plaque you got on your wall or what the website or science says, but are you longing and seeking for him? He always shows up where he's wanted. So just a few more minutes, uh, one more point, we're gonna pray as we did even at our board meeting on Monday night. The words I used there and that we prayed for was that we would have a holy visitation. There's like some differences between awakening, revival, outpouring, but there's just, we, we just want God to visit us. And, and not in like this loud and demonstrative way, like when we pray, nobody's gonna push on you, but different things might happen. I just, you know, like I relay them to you, not to scare you, not to make you chase it, but like, you know, as we were praying in the first service, there was people that would come forward, like we'll have prayer partners, pastors, we could pray with you, we could pray for you, you could pray by yourself. There was people laying over here and sitting over there and just kind of step over people if you need to and, you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but um, don't compare your spiritual experience with the person next to you, right? Some people might weep in his presence, and some people might not. Some people might laugh in his presence. So just don't, don't compare and contrast. This is not like a school science experiment. We're just being open to whatever it is that God has. 
Like maybe you've never been in a service like this. If somebody falls over while we're praying for them, what happens is they just became overcome in the presence. They felt like the weight of the glory of God and they just, their body just fell over. It's like, we'll catch them. It'll be all right. We don't want anybody to fall, hit their head and sue us. <laughs> like literally, we don't want that to happen. So we'll be ready. You know what I'm saying? Just, okay. <laughs> but, but, but like, if you're praying and you're like, oh, I want that to happen. You don't need to want that to happen because it's, don't like think about an expression. Here's what, here's what I want to say. Like when you leave, don't go, oh, somebody fell over. God was really there. I mean, what if they tripped? You don't know. I'm just saying like, like don't chase or focus on the manifestation or an expression. Just chase after his presence because here's what I know. You may come forward and you may feel nothing, but everything is still changed because you can't be in his presence and remain the same. It can't happen. So you don't have to feel goosebumps. You don't have to cry. You don't have to fall over. And it's not wrong if somebody else does. Just be in his presence. You can pray with other people. You can pray by yourself. You can pray sitting down. You can pray standing. Like just be in his presence. It's the power of his presence. Nobody's going to push on you, but we are going to pray for you. So even on this day where quite honestly, I anticipate, I almost spiritually expect there to be some manifestations, some expressions. I mean, we just saw it in the first service as we were praying, um, but it's not like hype for it, right? It's not, it's not the earthquake. It's not like the text says, all right, and now it's going to be the fire. It's not, oh, the earthquake, they fell over. What's up? They had an earthquake celebration. I get it now. No, no, no. Even in a gentle whisper, if you'll listen with your heart, I believe you can leave changed. All right, number three, because we want to pray. Number three, uh, receive divine instruction in his presence. Receive divine instruction in his presence. I'm going to hurry through this so, so we can pray. The Bible says, then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? By the way, when, when I finish teaching this point and the team leads a song one time, I'm going to ask everybody to answer that for themselves. Like, because when the Lord asks us questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, but it's for our understanding. <laughs> he said, what are you doing? What, what did you come for this morning? I hope it was for more than donuts and coffee, uh, but, but did you come needing healing? Did you come needing encouragement? What, what are you here for? What are you doing here? Verse 14, Elijah replied, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty, but the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And look at this. The Lord said to Elijah, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram, anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Snapchat from... <laughs> My bad. Shaphat. <laughs> Rhymes with Snapchat. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't need an email. I don't have Snapchat. Leave me alone. All right. Oh no, TikTok's about, anyway, I can't remember what all the apps are, if they're good or bad. I don't know how to use them anyway. So, anoint Elisha, who's from a place that Vicente cannot pronounce, and, 
and he'll succeed you as prophet. I'm gonna talk about Elisha next week. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. In other words, God says, I've got this. It's one of the greatest things that you can leave after time in his presence is to know that God's got this. Elijah went into the presence of God, overwhelmed with life. He was depressed. He was tired. He was just overwhelmed. He's like, I can't even do this. And God let him know, I've got this. More than falling over, more than baptism in the spirit, more than even a physical healing. I'm praying that everybody leaves the presence of the Lord today knowing God's got this. Uh, verse 18. Here's the other thing that happens in his presence. He says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. What does he say? God always has a remnant. You're not in this alone. You're not in this by yourself. Elijah's like, I'm the only one left. God's like, no, you're not. By the way, even if he was, what would it matter? God plus you is more than enough. <laughs> it's one of his names, right? But, but even at that, God's like, I still got 7,000 who never bowed down. You're not alone. God's got a remnant. This reminder that we have in his presence that we are not alone. I'm gonna have the band come out and in a moment we're gonna pray. I just wanna give one more moment of teaching uh, in the next two minutes and then uh, we're gonna pray. But um, Here, I would like to remind you that this was divine instruction, not human direction. So even as we've been praying for a release of uh, spirit of prophecy at celebration and people seeing dreams and visions and uh, all these kind of things, I just like to remind everybody, especially if you're newer, just kind of give some words of coaching in a moment before we pray. Um, I would recommend being very cautious about human direction but you ought to be very open to divine instruction. Now, what do I mean? I think some people, well-meaning people, this is not even, you know, I'm not assessing that they're operating in the spirit of Jezebel or anything. I'm just saying well-meaning people, we've seen this. um, There is a rise of what I would say, they give a prayerful preference and it's not really a prophetic word. And there's nothing wrong with prayerful preference, but you ought to be careful before sell your house and move cities off of a human direction. Does that make sense? So, so you ought to just be careful with that. In other words, um, more often than not, the norm, the regular, would be that when you receive a word from somebody else, it ought to bring confirmation to you of what you've already been sensing the Lord stirring up in you or inspiring within you, doing. It, it ought to confirm to you what God has already been saying. It shouldn't change what God's been saying, Right? All right, so, so it's important. But we do believe in divine instruction that you can come and you can leave knowing these kind of things. And so we're not gonna manufacture the miraculous, but we are gonna ask God to release prophetic words and, and we're gonna echo what we sense in his spirit that he's already been doing. Okay, two more, okay, three more verses and we're gonna pray. <laughs> um, last week at the end of service, Jeff Dio had sent me a verse And um, it was all about the glory of God. And he's ministering in another place today. We're messaging this morning and just praying for holy visitations across our nation. 
Um, but remember early on, we talked about that, that, that Moses had asked God, well, well, show us your glory if your presence doesn't go with us. And, and the glory came and it changed Moses. It was visible. People could tell. But, you know, we don't have to just go to the mountain of God anymore. We don't have to chase a physical location. Um, in fact, all of us have been given a clear picture of the glory of God. It's not mysterious. It's not weird. <laughs> Romans chapter 8 says, actually, he's given us his glory. Let, let me read it to you here. He says, uh, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. What's he saying? If you've come to the Lord Jesus and surrendered your life to him, you've repented of your sin, you've been forgiven, you've been made new, you are, you've been given right standing before God. That's what we know from Hebrews. We no longer need to worry about going before the throne of God. We can boldly approach his throne of grace with confidence. If we've repented, we've been forgiven. We don't have to live in fear of upcoming judgment. We don't have to live in fear of this God up there, out there, this evil king. No, we, we can boldly approach it with confidence as a child, as a son, as a daughter, with right standing before him. We get to come right into his presence. Say, here's what we need, Father. Having given them right standing, the Bible says he gave them his glory. We, we don't have to go to the mountain to see his glory. He brought the mountain to us. Because what do we know also in Hebrews chapter one? It says that Jesus, the son, he's the radiance of God's glory. The perfect representation of of his being. So what do we know? We could never really get to him. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't be smart enough. So he sent the son to us. He sent his glory to us. And now we get to live daily in the glory of God. If you're able, would you stand to your feet? In a moment, the pastors and prayer partners are gonna come forward. The team is gonna sing this song one time, but I'm gonna ask before anyone responds, I mean, the pastor's prayer partners could begin to prepare themselves, but before anyone responds this morning, as they sing this song one time, I, I want us to ask ourselves what the Lord asked Elijah. What are you doing here? What do you need? This isn't, you don't have to tell your neighbor, or what, but, but you need to know what, what are you needing? What are you expecting? What are you asking of God today? So that when you come forward, it's not so much about us giving to you, because we can't give you what you need, but we can pray with you in agreement, for it is the very thing that you know. So some people will, I mean, the number one need, number one miracle is if you're not right with God, you can come forward and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I need to be made new. I need right standing with God. That's the greatest thing that could take place here today. Way better than any other expression or demonstration of the power of God. You can come forward, say, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ and we'll pray you'll be forgiven. Maybe you'll come forward and you're like, I need healing in my body. I've been sick. I've been, there's disease, there's, there's broken, but whatever it is, you can come forward. Just, you'll know. What, what are you doing 
here, Elijah. What, what are you coming forward for? Maybe you want to stand in the gap. You have a loved one that needs to be saved, needs to be healed, whatever. It, maybe you come forward as I prayed with somebody and they said, I got this issue, but I also just want to experience the presence of God in a fresh way. I just want to be overwhelmed as presence. So you can come forward and we'll pray for you in any of those manners. You can also come forward and you can kneel and, and pray, but, but we're just going to take our time. We're not done. We're right on schedule. And so we got at least like 20 minutes before anybody needs to get their kid. If you have to go, I guess you could go early, but we probably won't even do like a real close. We're just gonna pray till you're done. We're here. We don't have anywhere else to go that we'd rather be than to just simply be in his presence. And we're gonna pray. But, but you need to understand or, or know what God is already doing in your life. Because Proverbs 29, 18 in the message, it's a, a verse that many people have heard. The Bible says, where there is no vision, people perish, or they cast off restraint. But I love the way the message translation says it. I think it helps us this morning for our prayers. The Bible says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. <laughs> but when they attend to what he reveals they are most blessed. So this is why it's important for you to know what God is already doing in your heart, what he's already doing in your spirit. And we're gonna come alongside and pray blessing upon what God is already doing in your life. The fact that you step out means you already know what the Holy Spirit has brought up in your life, what you're sensing in this time. But as the team leads us in this song, I'm gonna ask everybody to just pray right where you are. And then I'm gonna pray for us corporately and then we'll open this up for you to come and respond. So as the team leads this song one time, I just ask everybody to pray right where you are. What are you doing here, Elijah? What is it that you need from the Lord today? What are you seeking from him? What is your spirit longing for today? What do you need in his presence? For we know every good and perfect gift comes from him. Are you ready to pray? There's no, no hype, no earthquake, no wind, no fire. But I believe there's power in his presence. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. Your children, gathered here in this room, watching online. We know according to your word that every good and perfect gift comes from you. So we ask now, our Father who's in heaven, would you give good gifts to your children today? Would you save those who are stuck in their sin? Would you set free those who've been living in bondage? Would you deliver those who've been held back by addictions and hangups and things in their life? God, would you speak clearly to those who need a word from you as we lean in to hear your gentle whisper? Would you heal those bodies that have been sick, weighed down with infirmity and disease? Would you give direction to those who are seeking it? Most of all, would you be glorified in our time together as we pray, as we seek your face and we enjoy your presence? Hear the prayers of your people, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.